1: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Sholley. Coming up on today's episode is PMQ's Unpacked. We'll pause the action live from the House of Commons. What will Keir Starmer ask Rishi Sunak? And what's Ian Blackford got to say for himself uh, after the Supreme Court or the SP can't have another referendum? Uh, That's all that's coming up on the podcast in just a moment. But first, as ever, we kick off with our columnist panel
2: The Columnists with Alibert. Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. And here they both are in the
1: studio. Morning, Alice Thompson. Morning. Um, morning, Robert Crampton. Morning, Matt. Uh, we're talking about advice yeah. uh, because Nigel Farage is—it's not advice apparently. It's just a yeah. newsletter with some things you could invest in if you wanted to. And it turns out uh, you'd be—if you'd, if you'd started with a hundred thousand pounds, you'd have been twenty-five <laughs> grand better off if you put it elsewhere. Worst advice you've ever been given, Robert?
3: I think probably when it, as an adolescent boy, it was. It, it was a sort of received wisdom amongst other adolescent boys that if you really liked a girl, you should ignore her.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Big mistake.
3: And yeah, and that and that would then therefore somehow magically mean that she was attracted to you, as opposed to just simply being unaware of your existence. <laughs> yeah, and, but, uh, and, uh, and rude I, and rude. I sort of believed that for a while. Yeah, and it, it didn't work, guys. It, it, doesn't it doesn't work. Mind. If you're listening, <laughs> all the teenagers listening. <laughs> yes, Alice.
4: Yeah, mine was everyone looks better with a fringe. <laughs> that's
1: bad, and that's harder to uh, yeah, rectify that took a year to out. than Roberts. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's both both good stories there. Uh, what advice would you give to Mick Lynch, the Grinch <laughs> who stole Christmas?
3: Well, uh, Mick Lynch. I mean, I did, the, the brief this morning said is Mick Lynch is the decision uh, understandable or cynical? And the answer is, of course, it's both. Yeah, it's entirely understandable that Mick Lynch is trying to make the biggest impact with his rail strikes. His Job is to do that. Yeah, uh, we would all prefer that he worked that he didn't. But if you're Mick Lynch and you're you're trying to uh, use the, your, your, the the strike weapon most effectively, then obviously you're going to do it. We haven't actually done it over Christmas, the overtime no, in the run up, the and then in January. I suspect the overtime ban over Christmas will actually cause more more yeah, yeah. chaos. Yeah. I mean, the railways are pretty chaotic anyway, even when it's not a strike day. I mean, everyone... I had the Stansted Express thing last week, and (laughs) I had a friend, you know, he's just taken 14 hours to get back from uh, Glasgow to Euston, and, you know, it's sort of... Yeah, Great Western's
4: down today, again. They're down every day, aren't
3: they? Yeah. And that's the thing, and even when they did call off the last strike... Yeah. They, they, they carried
1: still didn't on, get they, trains. Yeah, we still can get, get the trains. Like. No, I mean, well,
4: I think just, it's a mistake actually because yeah. I think basically at the moment people are quite on side of the strikers and that, that they do yeah. feel much more strongly. It polls that way too. But I think if you then stop people from going to Christmas parties and seeing their relatives and all that run up to Christmas. People will mind because they've got used to working from home and actually they quite like bunking off from a day. So it's bad for the economy. But I think if they want to keep people on side with the strike, it's a mistake to strike over Christmas.
1: It's interesting though, the way that they've, and it's partly a reflection of the, the way that we travel has changed, that they're shifting when they have the strikes from like, let's mock up Mondays and Tuesdays to weekends, because far more people travel at weekends. And you're right, if you can... If it means you can't get to work, you just work from home
3: or you can't get to work. This is the fundamental problem, isn't it? With the... the, the, the usage of the railways has gone has gone down and hasn't hasn't mm. fully recovered.
4: But we are very and, on the side of the strikers now. If you look at the polls, yeah. people are much more into it than they were a year, two years ago. And I think they do understand that the cost of living crisis means that people
3: I mean, yeah. are
4: feeling it. But I think that's the problem. If you then feel that they're going to mess up everyone else's lives to that extent.
3: Generally speaking, if there's a 10%, 11% inflation, you, and you think it's only fair that people... But obviously, that's... Bad for the, you know, bad in the long run for the yeah. for the government, but for any individual group of workers, especially nurses, who people sympathise with anyway, then there's going to be, a, you know, there's going to be a lot of backing for for a claim.
1: It is interesting because it's the first sort of set of strikes properly ordered under the new government of Rishi Sunak, to whether or not there is a different tack that they take, I'm just trying to remember. Well, the who thing the, that doesn't work is calling it off just beforehand. Who's the cause... transport secretary? It's not Grant Shapps,
3: is it? Mark yeah. Harper. There oh, we well are. done. Well done. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Mick Lynch is saying that they they had an offer, didn't they? Had they had an, uh, an agreement, and the, and that thank, and then after a minister's intervention, uh, which Net, Network Rail are denying, minister min, minister intervened to say don't do that deal. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see whether they become a bit more uh, whether that's true, whether that whether they become a bit more flexible. I don't know. Yeah, they haven't shown a great deal of. Uh, Alacrity so far. I wanted to settle it.
1: It's been going on a long time. And actually, I suppose the problem is the, exactly the point you're making: is that people might say, "Well, just settle so that I can get my train to Christmas." But yeah. Then you know, well, the nurses are going on strike. Well, then you bake teachers. inflation into yeah, the yeah. system, yeah, and, yeah. And, then,
3: and then you've got then you've got an issue when it's going to probably come down uh, next year if we don't, if if, if there aren't sort of, yeah, ten percent, eleven percent wage settlements. We'll see how that pans out.
1: Yeah, Mick Le- I think Mick Lynch is now referring. Lots of papers calling him the Grinch. That so he's now referring to himself as the Grinch. <laughs> well, yeah, Mick he's owning she- the situation, isn't yeah. he? But I, I mean, he was, the problem yeah. is,
4: it is yeah. keeping people on side in the end that you want to. And people I think- quite
1: like him. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 but we he's have them really have you know, years of
4: pandemic and not seeing your relatives. So that is the <laughs> other problem: is that we've had so many disrupted Christmases now that I think yeah. people, people really want know, to get back. I was back thinking to normal.
1: that because from basically from next week onwards, I'm like yeah, every, I could be out every night with something, which hasn't happened for you know. Really, you've had that many invites. Yeah. So
4: have oh, I, Robert? It's all from work yeah. as well. So you're just <laughs> not invited it to our parties. Well, I'm not,
1: I one. can't go to the Times Christmas party because I'm on this blooming, the Times cruise. Oh, you're that's on the cruise? I'm not on the boat. Yeah, but, oh, I'm, all, yeah. Yeah, but I'm working for the Times. And Zero a dec-
4: sympathy if you're, you're going on the se- cruise. You're
3: secretly looking forward to the boat. You talk about it quite a lot.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's sort of, it, for a long time, it's been something that's very much on the horizon. <laughs> now not it's. Way off. It now
3: this ahoy big, there. Looming boat. Now it's docking. Docking. You're piping you aboard. A whole week on a boat with Robbie Millen.
1: Uh, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Uh, and Prue Leith. Um, let's move on and talk... Then we go off to, the, off to the movies now, Alice. Uh, you've been <laughs> writing about the new film, the Bill Nighy film, Living. Let's just take a quick listen to it. Life just
5: crept up on me. One day preceding the next. Good morning,
6: gentlemen.
5: Good morning, nice to waves.
6: Waves. Not happy, not unhappy.
5: It's small wonder I didn't notice.
0: Mr. Williams,
5: doctor
4: will see you now.
6: The results have come back. It's never easy,
1: this. Quite. Oh, well, sounds very dramatic. So, this is living, uh, starring Bill Nye. Uh, is it good, Alice?
4: Yeah, I thought it was going to be incredibly awkward. I didn't actually want to see it, but um, he is brilliant in it. Bill Nighy. It's like I think it is the role of his life because he's so perfect as the English gentleman in the nineteen fifties who just gets on with his job. You know, in his bowler hat, goes to work every day, not really doing that much. Very civil servanty. Um, and then he gets this terrible um, diagnosis, and it's about how first of all he just thinks I must go and live and sort of you know get drunk, meet girls have a great time and that doesn't work for him either but it's quite poignant and then he he then goes back to work and and transforms his workplace and everyone around him
1: and finds purpose
4: and he finds a purpose in creating and not that i want to spoil the film but uh, he builds a playground so it's a tiny thing to do but huge for a small amount of children and um also for his team who then realise that this is what they want to do with their lives is to turn other people's lives around
1: and yep. it's, it's interesting, Alice, because you've written about it in your column today, which is um, sort of the jump-off point for it. But that that idea of 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 thinking, well, I'm gonna, you know, given the opportunity, I'd give it all up and you know go drinking and chase girls and all that, and actually finding that 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 wasn't the thing that he was looking for.
4: Well, that's what the film's clever about, and it's a it's a film that was taken from a Japanese film and then before that from a um, novel by Tolstoy. So it's it, it it's it's a Definitely always there. It's that sense yeah, yeah. that, you know, you think you might die, what are you going to do next? Or you inherit a vast amount of money or you mm-hmm. win on the, the lottery. L- win you get, the
3: lottery, yeah.
4: It, it's sort of what, what gives your life meaning and it always ends mm. up being purpose and friends. And we know that, it's just that you do need films occasionally to tell you.
1: <laughs> Even, Robert, I sometimes find this, if we have like a few weekends where we're really busy, you say, oh, just like a Saturday with nothing to yeah. do. Yeah. And then you get one, yeah, and you think, "Oh, I've just wasted the day." I like, know, I know, I get those. Unless
3: it's, <laughs> unless it's a unless it's really raining and you can just sort of curl up with a book, and uh, then I think I feel I don't feel too guilty about it. But yeah, it's better to be busy. I mean, we all I think we all it's a lesson we learn, and you can be and, and to be busy in in small ways as you. Mentioning in your column, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about this thing, goblin mode, aren't you? Which is a, a phrase I hadn't come across. Uh, it's it's what, meant to
4: be one of the big three words of the year, yeah, but I have not come then, across it till but now. then,
3: yeah, it said it, and I looked it up, and it said it's been around since 2009, mm. so it's taken, what, so you explain what goblin mode is?
4: Goblin <laughs> mode is really the opposite of trying to make the most of yourself. It's kind of hiding under the duvet, eating baked beans with a fork, um, <laughs> it's the, it's drinking the, in the morning, and then sort yeah. of... Um, just it's, slightly giving up on life. It's
3: the follow-on to quiet quitting. You know, we had we had quiet mm. quitting. You do the yeah. do, do the minimum sort of working to, working to rule in your pajamas, and this is the the natural concomitant of that, really, yeah. which is don't get dressed. You don't even get out of bed. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and I you, mean, it's yeah. a great
4: word. It's just that if you carry on doing it, we all carry on doing it. We're all going
3: to be sick, yeah. basically. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've had periods in my life when I've sort of been close to that, I and mean, it's, it's not a good. It's not and a good. And I thought look. I thought the, the pandemic has been quite a good. You know, we'd sort of
1: all tried that. We were forced into goblin mode to some extent and then we were all quite keen to put our trousers back on. But, well, that's
4: but, what but should happen, but I think when the weather's happened. dire, yeah. cost of living crisis, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that, that, war abroad. That
3: hasn't happened. I mean, I think there is a... I mean, we're talking about the, the, the shortage on the railways and so on and you see it all around. Of There is a bit of a crisis post-pandemic relating to work and getting back to work. Yeah. And in our industry, we've sort of done it because we kind of have to be here, but an awful lot of industries, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You know, particularly in the public sector. Uh, and
4: the strikes you, don't make it any better. And, the stri- and that's the interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, is yeah, it's yeah. all feeding into each oh, other. But we all feel nothing's home. quite got back to normal, so why yeah. bother? We
1: won't book tickets for that because we might not be able to get
3: there. All that sort of stuff. So or can't yes. afford it. It all know. just seems yeah. a
4: huge effort, doesn't it? Yeah, to
3: get yeah and the energy thing doesn't. Happen. I mean, I've got my daughter's friends who are all sort of youngsters in their early 20s. They're, uh, they're all sitting at home in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, can't, they don't want to put the lights on. It's bad. Yeah. Bad and uh, these and not putting the heating on, so you got yeah. you got a blanket over you, which creates even more sense of hunkering Yeah, yeah. yeah. Weather doesn't help either. It's been, <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit rubbish, Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. we need to
4: do what Robert did and
1: go to Qatar. A few weeks ago, it's too warm. This is much too warm. <laughs> yes. Ago, too warm. This much too warm. yes, this is un- unacceptable behaviour for well, November. And then well. it's cold. I do not like the cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is right. Oh, it's brightening up a bit now. It's live weather, report. <laughs> uh, right, in a second, we want to talk about your holidays in
3: Qatar. Um, we'll Qatar. You say it's Qatar. 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 Yes, I was just going to
4: ask that. That's
3: the first thing you learn when you go to Qatar, that it's actually called Qatar well. And it is properly. That's not one of those, yeah, it's not like Kenya. I
1: don't think the biggest <laughs> problem with it is uh, how it's pronounced. No, I just said, I just said, let's get so it right. apologise. Are you like David Beckham? Are you in the pocket of Big Qatar? Yeah, Kikata? he went no. three times, that's yeah. all you said. Yeah, £10 million hanging out of your back pocket. Paid my own way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that, we're also going to talk about Boohoo as well, just to really lighten the mood and cheer everyone up. <laughs> Uh, I'm joining the studio by uh, Alice Thompson, and Robert Crampton. It's Matt Cholly on Times Radio. Uh, very good morning to you, it's Matt Cholly. We're doing, uh, we're picking our way through the news with Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson. Uh, Robert, let's go on then. Your, your, your mount your, your about your defence for.
3: It's not a mountain. I'm not. Uh, this is no. Not, you're
1: a spokesman. now. You're a mountain. No, base. I'm not.
3: That's completely the wrong. I, my editor discovered that I'd been to Qatar three times, albeit 15 years ago. So asked me to write about what it was like. And it's not not in any way a defence of the regime. Uh, it was just, in fact, it was saying it's a rather miserable place. And I've the, the, spent three weeks there on three separate occasions. I've kind of pretty much exhausted everything there was to do in Qatar. It's
4: a bit selling just... out for sunshine, isn't it, is it? the problem? Because it has got
3: the perfect weather in the winter. Well, we went for, uh, we had a friend who was working for Al Jazeera, which is in, uh, headquartered in Doha. And so it was a cheap winter sun holiday for us. Because for about three months of the year, the temperature in Qatar is bearable between about now and uh, although it's still a bit hot now, as the footballers are finding out. Yeah, Between, yeah. between about now and March, so February is great, about twenty-five degrees. After that, it's unbearable for about eight months. Do you think it's cha- changed a lot since you were there? It's become more conservative, is my understanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was the there was a, uh, the great hope when I was there was the the Emir's second wife, Sheikha Mosa, who was the sort of the queen nor uh, of of the of that age of the of the early two uh, thousands. And she had liberalising instincts. Uh, but since her son succeeded her husband, we haven't heard a great deal from her. And, and actually, bit, something
4: that doesn't come up is how women are treated, I think. So we've done more yeah. on the LGBTQ rights. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah.
3: think there
4: there is a point to that, that it's it's not a great place. To it's be not a great either.
3: place. It's, it's, it's slightly more, uh, uh, less repressive than other, than, than, than say Iran and Saudi, but... By our standards, you wouldn't yeah. want to be a woman there. No, I mean right. they can vote and they can drive, but they can't do a lot else. Yeah. Well, it's a,
1: it's, it's worth a read anyway. Trip, like, that mean you can claim, How can you retrospectively claim your holidays now? If you think about it, right? <laughs> oh,
3: good point. That that expenses I'm sure right. sign that off a yeah. Christmas party. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, right,
1: let's really lighten <laughs> that Somebody, somebody's, somebody's message <laughs> in saying, flip it, Matt. What is this? Radio <laughs> just slit your wrist to. Well, it, here to cheer everyone up is let's go inside. What it's like working in a boohoo warehouse in Burnley. This is an extraordinary piece. This Tom Ball, Times reporter, uh, got a job in Boohoo to find out what it was like, uh, and this is him talking about it.
7: You would be given at the start of your shift this quite heavy black device that you strap onto your wrist, invariably grimed and greasy with sweat from the person who's just done the 12-hour shift before you come on, and that tells you Uh where in the warehouse you need to go. It's connected to a scanner and it makes this little bleeping sound. That sound will forever be ingrained into my memory because it's all you can hear for the shift. You're not allowed to listen to any music or any form of distraction. But it's also monitoring how many items you're picking every hour. This is one of the things that I sort of found to be most egregious while working there was that you are expected to pick 130 items per hour which is just over two items per minute which you have to really be going pretty hard consistently for all the hours that you're on shift in order to hit that and and i certainly never hit that target and a lot of the people that i worked with didn't hit that target so this device is not only pushing you on to work harder but it's also checking that you are hitting your targets and if you're not then you will get a talking to from a manager and that can then be escalated up to higher echelons in the company.
1: You've got two people that sit over in the other podium in the other chamber
6: whose only job is to make sure that you lot are right doing hand your hand job. Hand.
7: So if you take a 10-minute break, they would know? They'll know, yeah.
6: What would they do if you take a 10-minute break? It depends. It depends what there
7: are people in that warehouse whose sole job it is to monitor the efficiency of the workers and if they spot that somebody is taking too many trips to the toilet or if they're not picking enough, they will then flag that with the manager.
1: Guys, really grim, is it, mm. it, Alice? Although, uh, actually, there's part of me that thought, well, um, maybe it's just a reminder to all of us, if you're buying a t-shirt for £3... They're probably not the staff who work there probably aren't living the life of riley so
4: that's what we've got to stop is our addiction to these very cheap clothes and it, it partly is because of things like instagram that particularly the younger generation who are much better on green issues normally but they do seem to buy a lot more very cheap clothes um because they keep wanting to wear something different for each party and i think we've got to get into this idea that it's much better if you just buy one thing and wear it a lot and make sure it's sourced properly and 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 I think that's quite hard to, for us to get our heads around. But I think this has made it much easier. In a way, it's quite optimistic saying this this is what's going on. We don't want this. We don't want the same in the factories that we. You know, whatever you're doing, if you're wearing something that's very cheap, try and work out what's happened and why. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: you know why you're wearing a two pound fifty t shirt or a ten pound dress. And the, thing, the
1: other thing that struck me, Robert, is why not you put some music on? You don't, just Crystal. because. Yeah. The are presumably ways of making this whole experience less miserable. I worked in a factory briefly years, up, uh, many years ago. Which wouldn't productivity.
3: And we, and, we had, and we had a pretty boring job. It wasn't as strenuous or as odious as that. But uh, Radio 1 saved the day, yeah. really. Uh, I guess it's a distraction. And they, uh, they... Presumably they've done a study and they think you're more productive maybe without the music. But over
1: a 12-hour shift, even if it meant one fewer T-shirt was picked up by you, Mm. if it meant that these people, you know, presumably your staff turnover must be terrible at these
3: places. But then I suppose it, well, not necessarily, not in Burnley necessarily, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it would be a great place to work if you could listen to ra- even if you could listen to no. the radio. I think that might be a slightly. But sl- if it's f- yeah. reading it, reading or even the if top listeners, to listen to Times it, Radio,
1: it would uh, definitely listen to. I'm really cheap about this last <laughs> half hour. <laughs> Um, it just Great. feels like they have been deliberately making it as awful as possible. Yes, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. That's what
4: I think. Is so difficult. It's also at the same time they're paying these celebrities vast amounts of money yeah, to endorse yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, they're so all you over think, the tube. You know, you're getting half a million quid to, to, to run some of these campaigns, and they're not being paid anything. And maybe we b- should say to the celebrities, Do you know what you're actually yeah. doing? Do you know what you're endorsing? Excuse
3: my ignorance. Is Boohoo a label or is it like a a, a, it's a, a website a, where you can oh, buy stuff from different okay. places? Well, the obvious solution is not
1: to use it. I bought I, out of desperation. I bought a suit from them a few weeks right. ago, and it was one of the worst fitting things I've yeah. ever seen. Well. So use it, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, are. the
3: message to people like Mick Lynch would be to go in and unionise it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Then you won't be able to get, get any trousers <laughs> that you're not going to put on
1: because you have a goblin or whatever Yes. Yeah. Lovely stuff, I'm glad we've sorted that out. Alice Thompson, Robert Clampson, <laughs> thanks for joining us on Times Radio. Alice Thompson and Robert Clampson there, and of course you can read them both in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash times red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked.
8: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
4: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per
7: month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at
1: lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this.
2: PMQs unpacked on
8: Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire.
6: Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman.
1: Yeah, PMQs unpacked as we do every Wednesday at midday. Times, uh, Sunday Times is Chief Commentator. Tim is here. Hello. Hello, Tim. Nice to have you with us. Where do you think we're going to go today, Tim Shipman? Well, there's a number of things that Starmer could have a go
9: at, but they're slightly, you know, I mean, this huge Brexit row that's been happening in the Tory party has been quite interesting, but Starmer doesn't tend to like to uh, go after that. Um, You know, it's not impossible they'll pick up on um, what's been going on at the Home Affairs Select Committee, but um, I would imagine we're not that far removed from the budget that they will probably still want to um, uh, put uh, the Prime Minister on the spot over... Um, some of the details of that, um, not least because last week, of course, um, was Deputy PMQs.
1: Yes, we've had a couple of, yes, we've had so a they've couple not of weeks really, weeks Starmer's them. not
9: really had a chance to have a proper crack at Sunak on it, you know, post, post the fallout. So. It also
1: feels possibly like one of those weeks which you used to get in normal times a bit more, where leader of the opposition, whether that was David Cameron or Ed Miliband, sort of come with their own story, drop a bomb at PMQ, set the agenda rather than following it. Yeah, that's entirely
9: possible. And it could be one of those where he tries to sort of unseat him a little bit by just dancing around quite a lot, yeah.
1: um, doing old, what uh, William Hague used to jumping do. Jumping around you know, different parts of the
9: fold. Tony Blair, exactly. Just make him, you know, uh, discombobulate him a bit, try and make him make a
1: mistake. And the other thing we keep an eye out for is, does Rishi Sunak listen to Times Radio? Has he, because we were talking on the show yesterday about, uh, they keep banging on about Jeremy Corbyn. Boris Johnson did it, Liz Trusted did it, which he does it, saying, oh, you sat with Jeremy Corbyn, you want to make Jeremy Corbyn Prime Minister. And we had this YouGov poll that showed only 19% of people knew that Keir Starwood backed Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. 24% thought he was an opponent and 57% had no idea one way or the other.
9: I mean, I sit through a lot of focus groups. I have never once heard anyone unprompted make that um, allusion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've and I been just banging think away for such a long I time. I find it's one of the things about recent Prime Minister's questions that I find most perplexing. Um, but they must have some polling of their own that shows yeah. that it's attractive to certain people and I imagine the people they think it's attractive to are the people in the Red Wall seats. Yeah, who were who, put off
1: by Jeremy who Corbyn. Who were very there, put yeah.
9: off by Jeremy Corbyn. You know, Some of them were attracted by Boris Johnson and for some of them it was a bit of both. Um... And I guess that's what they're going after. But um, how many of those people are watching Prime Minister's Questions yeah. is another interesting question.
1: Well, let us know what you think of PMQs. Uh, Mikey Smith from the Mirror's just tweeted, Toy MP Bill Cash was just leafing through a document on the back benches ahead of PMQs. One of the pages was a giant full-page colour photograph of Boris Johnson. Well, whatever floats your boat, Bill. Uh, right, here we go then. Let's go live to the House of Commons. It's PMQs Unpacked. We kick off with question number one from Keir Starmer.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and congratulations to England and Wales on their start to the World Cup, and good luck for the rest of the tournament. Mr. Speaker, the World Cup doesn't belong to FIFA and it doesn't belong to the host nation. It belongs to everyone who loves football. It's totally unacceptable that during this tournament, gay football fans are unable to acknowledge who they love and players have been threatened with suspension if they show solidarity with those fans. Shame on FIFA. Britain faces the lowest growth of any OECD nation over the next two years. Why? Mr.
8: Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker this country has experienced, since 2010, the third highest growth in the G7, this, this year the fastest growth in the G7, and unemployment at a multi-decade low. We're getting on to deliver more growth, Mr Speaker. We're delivering free ports. We're investing in apprenticeships. We're protecting R&D. And if the Labour Party is serious about actually supporting growth, maybe they should get on the phone with their union paymasters and tell them they're not off the strike.
1: Well, there's quite a lot there to uh to dig into. I wondered whether Keir Starmer was gonna mount a few questions on FIFA and indeed, role in but indeed. But he
9: seemed dissatisfied with saying, I'm a
1: massive football fan.
9: I'm Look a at big me. football fan. Well What about you, Rishi Sunak? And Rishi Sunak did not suddenly weigh in no. on the football. He just ignored it altogether. Yeah. Well, I'd, um are you in the lobby league? I am. How are you doing? I'm sort of mid-table mediocrity, Matt, which is where I tend to be. Well, uh, I've got Argentina second in my list, so that's not going so well. I've
1: got Argentina quite high in the list as well. So you should explain, this is a sort of fantasy football league thing. You had to pick some teams. Uh, No one would describe me as a massive football fan. However, I am currently third in the league table. Uh, Rishi Sunak is 24th. He was second yesterday. Keir Starmer is 22nd. And Tim Shipman is one hundred and sixty seventh.
9: Not all my teams have played yet, Matt. It's only at the end of the first round of matches that you can get a first. Is that i right? I've a clear on basis, idea. On the basis, of that I'm stands. going to do
1: very badly. Uh, I'm enjoying the fact I'm currently in third place. The wishy Kier Starmer then jump into this OECD. Reports, which, you know, is really bad. We're going to have terrible growth over the next two years, worse than most countries in the G20, but it sort of goes on the pile of gloomy bad
9: news, doesn't it? It's gloomy bad news, and Sunak goes, well, have you got some statistics? So have I. I've got some statistics. And you're Interesting, in though, the though he, unions. The first one he, he digs out is, you know, um, highest growth in the G7 since, you know, 2010. So suddenly, here's one of the yes. uh, iterations of the Conservative government claiming ownership of all the others. Whereas pretty well recently, um, certainly the Johnson yeah. and to a degree, the trust administrations were very much, this is year zero. Everything that went before was an aberration. We don't support all that. Now we're doing our own thing. So that kind of saying, I stand in a tradition of growth that goes back to the coalition. And Carolician.
1: actually, it, it, in that 12 years, clearly lots happened. Brexit's happened. The pandemic's happened. Uh, if you're using that as the sort of, and actually, I saw someone did some statistics on it. If you do it, uh, growth per capita, and so on. It's slightly less. You can
9: pretty good. much prove anything you want with statistics. Um, I think you know the bigger picture is that people feel things are a bit rough at the moment, and yeah. Starmer can play around with them. Um,
1: it doesn't really matter what Sunak says in response um, uh, in terms of numbers. But <laughs> Henry's just pointed out is third highest in the G7, really very impressive. Three out of seven is basically just the middle. Well, it's, a, it's yeah, yeah, it's.
9: It's basically not even, yeah, yeah. you know, it's slightly better than I'm doing in the lobby world <laughs> cup football. League, Third Disney. highest in
1: a lobby league of hundreds of people is much better. Uh, right, go, but let's go back to the House of Commons then. This is question two from Keir Starmer. Keir
5: Starmer. Mr. Speaker, we're. We're. we're bo- oh, 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 oh. We want to get through Prime Minister's questions and you're not helping me.
1: He's in
5: total denial. We're bottom of the 38 OECD countries who are all in the same boat when it comes to COVID and Ukraine. And he wants a pat on the back. It's like a football manager, bottom of the league at Christmas, celebrating a way draw three months ago, and it won't wash. So let's, they don't like their record, that's the problem. So let's try it another way. Why is Britain set to be the first country into recession and the last country out?
8: (laughs) Mr. Speaker, I'm pleased that the Right Honourable Gentleman brought up the OECD report because it contained actually three very important points. Firstly, it made the point that actually in the years following the pandemic, we're projected to have almost the highest growth amongst our peer countries. It also. It also also made the point. It was crystal clear that the challenges we face are completely international in nature. And thirdly, and thirdly, and thirdly, thirdly, Mr. Speaker, it supported our fiscal plan because it's credible and ensures sustainability. Now, the right honourable gentleman would have known all of that if he actually read the whole report he's not. He's not. He's not interested in substance. He's an opportunist, Mr. Speaker. In, in, in four weeks, Mr. Speaker, in in four, in four weeks in four weeks I've in four weeks I've strengthened the economy. We've put more money into the NHS and schools. We've delivered a deal. We've delivered a deal to tackle illegal migration in the same four weeks, in the same four weeks, all we Oh, oh, you're
1: beginning to the
8: news of When I stand,
9: you've got to sit down. But can I just say to you, you came to me quite rightly and said to me, we want to get through Prime Minister's questions. I'm going to give short answers. Please stick to what you to.
1: Oh. Well, I- you soon that ticked off for talking too much uh, there. But he was going on a bit, wasn't he?
9: Well, he was, but it's a little bit rum to cut across his sort of big peroration there. <laughs> um, if if you're the speaker, that was uh, almost Bacavian in its... Uh, uh, Although it's uh, interesting that debatus, he... He's
1: obviously gone to Lindsay Hall and says, let's rattle through it, let's not have any wrong yeah. answers, let's zip through. And then that was, he was getting a little bit... Uh, a little bit windy there. A football metaphor from Keir Starmer. Yes, another one. Another one. I know me football. Yeah, more than you do. But no. the problem he's got is that Rishi Sunak knows his economics. Yes, more than he and does. also,
9: you know, I mean, his reputation in the last government, while Boris Johnson, you know, could barely read a, you know, two-page summary of something, he was reading the appendices and yeah, yeah. interrogating the basis of assumptions in the models and all the rest of it. Um, and there we go. You know, he's uh, obviously read the detail. Um Interesting answer, though, talking about, yes, it's all these international challenges. Well, everybody's got these international challenges, and that was one of his three points. I wonder how quickly someone will mutter to him, yeah, but we've got lousy productivity, mate, and have yeah. had for years, or
1: then there's that B-word thing. Is that having an effect at all? Correct, so and also, uh, your your, your supply-side reforms, like, for instance, planning, Yes, let's build Which more homes. Which you've just junked, because 50 of your MPs have got their knickers in a twist. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, our colleague uh, Lara Spirit, uh, Times Red Box reporter, reporting in the last few minutes. Former Cabinet Minister Simon Clark's tabled an amendment uh, to the Levelling Up and Regeneration Bill to overturn the ban on new onshore wind telling life, we're going to have some anti-growth amendments on the bill, we might as well have some pro-growth ones too.
9: There we go. More trouble. Trouble trouble at mill from both sides. Trouble
1: at windmill, yeah.
9: But an interesting, you know, just to interrogate that answer just slightly more, I mean, there was the great example there of what's good about Sunak, that he's read the detail, he understands it, and he's prepared to fight Mm -hmm. on it. Then what was much better about Boris Johnson than Rishi Sunak in terms of this kind of... You're an opportunist, Mr Speaker. I mean, uh, that was where (laughs) Johnson would have deployed Captain Hindsight or something memorable and a bit humorous um, that would have kind of caught the imagination a bit. Yeah. And Sunak didn't have anything like that. Yeah, he, yeah, well, yeah. he might have done if uh, Lindsay Hoyle hadn't cut him off, but I'd rather doubt that he had anything that pithy.
1: Well, if he has, he'll probably deploy it again in a minute. Uh, this is PMQ's Unpacked. Tim Shipman, the Sunday Times Chief Commentator, is here. Don't forget, you can watch along on the uh, Times Radio YouTube channel. Let's go back to the House of Commons then. There's question number three from Keir Starmer.
5: Mr Speaker, there's only, there's only one party that's crashed the economy and they're sitting yeah! there. Mr Speaker, I notice this, he won't say why Britain is set to be the first into a recession and the last out. So I will. 12 years of Tory failure, followed by 12 weeks of Tory chaos. For a decade they've let our economy drift aimlessly before suddenly cutting the parachute ropes and slamming it to the ground. And because of the changes he's made, a typical household will end up... With tax increases of £1,400. They don't want to hear about these tax increases of £1,400. Contrast that. Contrast that to a super wealthy non Dom living here but holding their income overseas. How much more. Order.
2: Mr. Young. I don't need any more, I don't need shouting, don't need pointing. You're meant to be a good example when you sit on this front bench, because you're the second, don't spoil what you're meant to do. Mr let's let's Speaker, I don't think you want to hear
1: this. The because,
9: of
5: the changes, because of the changes he's made, a typical household will end up paying tax increases of £1,400. Yeah. Contrast that to a super wealthy non-dom yeah. living here but holding their income overseas. How much more has he asked them to pay? Oh, 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 just, order.
9: As I said to the Prime Minister, I said to the Leader of the Opposition, I've got to get through this list,
1: I need you both to help me. Oh, he's had his waiting books Come on, uh, well, Lindsay Hull.
8: Mr Speaker, Labour had 13 years to address this issue and did nothing! Nothing! It was the Conservative government that took action and tightened the rules. But the problem, the problem with his idea, the problem with his idea is that it would end up costing Britain money. Not, not, not my words. Not my words. The words of the former Labour shadow chancellor. But ra- rather than peddling fairy tales and gesture politics, let's actually tell him what we're doing to deliver for this country. A record increase in the national living wage. Protecting millions from energy bills. Protecting the pensioners' triple lock. That's what we're doing for this country. Uh,
1: Right. (laughs) Apart from the fact that Lindsay Hoyle is cross. He's cross. uh, I think it's Jacob Young. He's a whip uh, who is ticking off Conservative. Um, uh, some decent lines from Keir Starmer. Yeah, quite
9: punchy language. This 12 is not...
1: years of Tory failure by 12 weeks of chaos.
9: Well, that was reused by Rachel Reeves yeah. in her response to the budget and was easily the thing that best summed up what I was hearing in the focus yeah. groups that evening. That was basically the view of yeah. punters who voted Tory in 2019 who were just a bit weary of the whole thing now. So that's a good line and they've given it to Starman now as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, you know, all the stuff about cutting the parachute ropes and slamming to the ground. This is not natural Starmer language, but they've got him expressing himself more clearly, more punctually, and this is good prep from from the Labour team, I think. Um, uh, shout out to a few of the comms team there, Paul Ovenden in particular, who's the head of attack. He's good at putting this kind of language in Starmer's mouth and he's beginning to sound like it comes naturally to him. In a, you know, this is not the Keir Starmer we saw 18 months ago.
1: Um, And then on uh, raising non-doms again because of uh, Rishi Sunak's wife and her non-dom status until earlier this year. Uh, And then uh, Rishi Sunak saying it would end up costing Britain money. They're quoting former Labour Shadow Chancellor Ed Balls, uh, who did say if you abolish the whole status, it'll probably end up costing Britain money because people will leave the country. He did say that in 2015 in January. But by April, he was promising to abolish the non-Dom rule.
9: Yeah, so you so pick your quotes and you take your choice. Exactly. But this is an interesting one as well because what you've got here is a classic example of head against heart and Sunak is trying to play the head thing and say, look, if you actually cut this, people stop coming to Britain, they don't do put money into the economy, that costs Britain money. It's fine, it's probably technically correct um, and as a political argument, it's very grown-up and sensible. But the emotional argument yeah. is these people don't pay their taxes, we pay our taxes. And lots of
1: people think And it's an emotional argument. Who cares and, if they if they're not paying any tax, who cares if they leave? Will be the
9: part the, the, yeah, Trump's head in these things, and I had a conversation with one of the Shadow Chancellor's team about this last week. They are very they want to keep hammering this. They think that, that, that this, this yeah, that this this pings the heartstrings of the electorate
1: and is going to win them a lot of votes. Well, let's go back now to the House of Commons. PMQ's unpacked. Continues. Uh Keir Starmans' is question number four. He's frozen apparently. Oh. Maybe he's but, but this isn't gonna please Lindsay Hoyle if he if he uh if he can't even start his question. Never mind, wind it up and finish it. Um we <laughs> Well I'll come back to him in uh, uh in, in just a moment um to see what uh keir starmer's got this feels so far a halfway point like um maybe this isn't gonna be a vintage edition of PMQs.
9: It's not vintage, but it's a uh, you know, if you're if we're talking football again, yeah, uh, which Starmer seems to want to talk, um, you know, he's he's scored a couple of cheap goals, hasn't he, so far. And uh, uh the goalkeeper on the other side is doing his best to jump up and down and flail his arms, but the ball keeps still uh, gently sliding past him into the net. Um,
1: so lots, that- lots of people on the YouTube channel are very uh, exercised about uh, Rishi Senna harking back to the last Labour government and what they did or didn't do on non-DOMs. Matt says, blaming a government that's been out of power for 12 years is pathetic. Rishi Senna doesn't press me at all. Someone else, 12 years, Brexit failure, Tory economic policy has to be responsible. Rishi cannot escape the record. Uh,
9: Well, that's all true, but the interesting point is Starmer has not uttered the word Brexit in any of this. and A lot of people on his own side would like him to do so. Um, So that's interesting in itself. But then I suppose
1: that gives Rishi Sunak... Yeah, the fact they're thinking more... You know, they are thinking several steps ahead. Worry to raise Brexit, Rishi Sunak will say, well, you wanted us to rejoin and you wanted freedom of movement, you don't know where he's done. Anyway, let's go back then. I think it's now working. Uh, Keir Starmer is unfrozen. He's thawed out. Question number four from Keir Starmer.
5: If they would grown the economy at the same rate as the last Labour government, we'd have tens of billions of pounds more yeah! to spend on back. Yeah! Oh, Mr Speaker, it wasn't a trick question. The answer is he's not asked non-DOMs to pay a penny more. No. Every year—he talks about the money—every year that's £3.6 billion thrown away because he won't make them pay their taxes here. Right. How many extra doctors could Britain afford with that money? Yeah.
8: Well, well, Mr Speaker, I am pleased that he brought up doctors because last week we delivered record increases in funding for the NHS. Not just more doctors, but more nurses, more scans, more operations. That shows our commitment to prioritise the NHS. Not my words, the words of the NHS chief executive. Oh, he's finished.
1: He's he's taken the... um, He's done the short answer malarkey. Wasn't a big gulp of coffee there, assuming we had several more minutes of... uh, What do we love? Doctors. And not just doctors, but nurses too. And scans. Scans. And more operations. Hurrah. Well,
9: I mean, you know, there in a nutshell is what we were just talking about. You know, um, it only raises... You know, he hasn't asked non Dom's to pay a bit more. Well, you know, maybe, maybe it might have been an idea politically to do so. Uh, Starmer's making a lot of fuss about three point six billion quid in what was a fifty-five billion black hole, as yeah. a member of the government said to me, you know, that's all they're talking about. They've got a three billion solution to a fifty five billion pound problem. Yeah. Again, great. Rhetorical point, yeah. Win for the Tories. Emotional point, anyone watching that. Um, who's living in Doncaster or the Tees Valley, is not going, oh, I'm sure Rishi Sunak's got a very good point about uh, the uh, non-doms and the extra money coming in, and I'm sure that helps the health service. uh, And actually, you
1: know, know, 55 billion, though, you know, another 3 billion is not going to hurt. No, quite. I mean, you need
9: what you can get. And don't forget, I mean, what was the extra boost to the NHS? I think they put about 8 billion in, but the schools, the extra schools stuff was, was about... Yeah. ..about... 3
1: four billion, I think. Um, and that would be precisely paid for by something like this. Um, and particularly when everyone else is going to be paying more tax. Uh, it's, it's clearly something that um, the, uh, the Labour Party is going to bang away at. Uh, right, let's go back to the House of Commons then. as this is The new Pythia questions and answers. This is question number five from Keir Starmer. Yeah.
5: Scrapping the non-dom status would allow us to train 15,000 doctors every year. That's what Labour would do. And we can carry on handing out tax breaks to the super rich. Or we can live in a society where people don't have to go private to get a doctor's appointment. It's that simple.
1: So this way, he also hands
5: 90p for every £1 they spend drilling. So they haven't paid a penny in windfall tax. Mr. Speaker, you may have seen this week that somebody shredded £10,000 in protest at those propping up an oil and gas giant.
4: But Joe he Lysen shreds
5: £10,000 every other minute propping them up. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Which does he think is the more absurd?
8: Mr. Speaker, this is the government that has actually put in place an economic plan that will de- deliver confidence and stability to our economy. And all I've heard from the Honourable Jen today, there's, there's no answers, there's no substance, because there's no plan, Mr Speaker. He talks about the NHS, we're delivering record funding for the NHS, but we can only do that on the foundations of a strong economy. You can't deliver for the NHS unless you have a plan for the economy, and he doesn't have either, Mr Speaker. Um,
1: um, that was a sort of word salad from Keir Starmer by the end. the, the Throwing in Joe Lycett and shredding £10,000, which he didn't do, it was a stunt, which actually got people talking. Um, it was quite a good point you made, that you could train 15,000 doctors every year. That's a classic
9: stick-it-on-a-poster-in-a-general-election yeah. point. What you do know. you want?
1: Non-doms or doctors? Yeah. Job done. Job done.
9: Uh, and it's just, you know, in Sunak's response, there's a slight tetchiness in his... Mm. It's just like... Come off it, mate. Yeah, come on, you, come on. I'm doing week. all this, and 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 you don't <laughs> seem to understand that we're doing the best we can. And you know, it, he, you know, he's inherited this job at a very difficult time, as someone said to me the other day. Why would you want this job? It's like becoming chairman of Woolworths now, you know, which yeah. is is not a good thing. Um, and he's doing the best he can, and he's putting up an okay fight on the substance. But you know, a lot of Tory MPs are going to be watching this and thinking they're just going to keep hammering us on this stuff, he's a rich bloke, Um, you know, they're going to play the emotional card on tax and the NHS and maybe, maybe the worm's just turned and there's not a lot we can do about winning this next election and then they'll get increasingly fractious. You're already seeing people say, you know, quite young people, people of 35 or 40 who would normally be hoping to start a political career saying I've had enough and I'm not going to stand at the next election. Um, You know, Chloe Smith, I think, admittedly came in at the age of 25, which is very young to be becoming an MP. But, you know, people like that walking away, it's not like they're 72 and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know,
1: going to put they their feet up in it. the shires. The other thing worth pointing out, um, uh, Keir Starmer making this play on non-DOMs and you could train some more doctors. Feeding into all of that was... He sparked some controversy a week or so ago and he was talking about how... He thought we were, uh, you know, because he wants to curb immigration and we shouldn't be importing doctors. And he's some criticism of that. But that's their answer to the immigration problem as well, isn't it? That, that if we were training up people for these jobs, spending government money, training people up for these jobs, yes, it does take a long time to get doctors in. But that's also, you know, he's sort of quite cleverly covering himself off on several fronts there, politically. Yeah, and the interesting
9: thing from Sunak is he hasn't responded, talking about the workforce plan. Now, Jeremy Hunt, who was health secretary and Mm. chairman of the Health Select Committee, he wrote a book about it all. His big thing is that we've not been training enough doctors and nurses. You know, loads of people apply and don't get in. And all we need to do, really, is find some money and get them trained. And admittedly, the next but one government is the one most likely to benefit from this. But but there was a workforce there plan, was a it, workforce plan, plan in the budget, yeah, yeah. and
1: I'm surprised Sunak hasn't made a bit more of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, right, let's go back to the uh, let's go back to The last question from uh, from Kier Starmer,
5: Mr. Speaker, every time he opens his mouth, another powerful business voice says he hasn't got a plan on growth. Yeah. The failure of the last twelve years and the chaos of the last twelve weeks are compounded by the decisions he's taking now. He won't follow Labour's plan to scrap non-dom status. Instead, we've got an NHS staffing crisis. He won't follow Labour's plan to make oil and gas giants pay their fair share. Instead, he hammers working people. And he won't push through planning reform. Instead, he kills off the dream of home ownership. Too weak to take on his party, too weak to take on vested interest, 12 long years of Tory government, five Prime Ministers, seven Chancellors. Why do they always clobber working people?
1: (laughs) A lot of cheering there from the Labour side.
8: Mr Speaker, he talks about leadership this summer. I stood on my principles and told the country what they needed. To hear, even though it was difficult. When he ran for leader, he told his party what they wanted to hear. And even now, even now, he says one thing and he does the other. He says he cares for working people, but he won't stand up to the unions. He said he'd, he said he'd honour Brexit, but he tried to have a second referendum. And now he tries to talk tough about immigration, but he promised to defend free movement. You can trust him, you can trust him to deliver for his party. You can trust me to deliver for the country. Yeah!
1: No mention of Jeremy Corbyn. No mention of Jeremy Which Corbyn. Which I thought we were about to get then. I uh, would have done the unions and the second referendum. That would have been normally normally completed the trilogy.
9: Well, in a pretty desperate session for Soon, that was a pretty good ending,
1: I thought. Um, yeah, not bad you know, at winding
9: beti- up. You know, I told the truth and, you know, there's still a lot of people in the Labour Party who are rather angsty that Keir Starmer betrayed himself as a man of the left in order to get the Easters
1: yeah. on board and then chuck- promptly chuck them all overboard. Uh, is it, I mean, the counter-argument to that is... Suggest Keir Starmer's a better politician than Rishi Sunak, because well, when Rishi Sunak told his party what they didn't want to hear, he didn't they,
9: win. They told him to where, to, where <laughs> to take a running jump. Uh, no, exactly. Um, you look, know, I mean, I've, we've, that's their fourth session. I think that's probably the clearest uh, Starmer victory yeah. that we've seen. And I think there's a lot to encourage the Labour Party there. You've got a leader who's got some good political dividing lines, he's got some good language, um, and he's rather flustering and irritating the bloke on the other side of the dispatch box. And then, you know, where you've got a Prime Minister in a difficult spot who's a serious bloke, who's trying to do what he thinks is the right thing um, and he will continue to sort of argue uh, on that basis. Um, uh, But at the moment, it doesn't look like a winning proposition. Um, And I think uh, there's a lot that frames what we're going to see yeah, for the next yeah. year and a half uh, in that debate today.
1: One um, thing that leapt out to me there, clobber-working people, that feels like a phrase lifted straight from a focus group. It doesn't Clobber doesn't feel like a word that Keir Starmer would naturally reach for. No,
9: I don't think he's a clobberer. But I in thought. the
1: world of repeating back to the public phrases they use in uh, in focus groups, you know, get Brexit done, take back control... Yeah. all the Tories do is clobber working people. Feels like a, a phrase that they've taken, you know. And Deborah Matison used to come on the show a lot before she went to work for Keir Starmer. That feels like something straight out of one of her focus groups.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Deborah is good at the focus groups. I used to do quite a lot of. I used to sit in quite a few yeah. of them when uh, before she was
1: uh, uh, with the Labour government. With the, well, I say the Labour government. Goodness me, there we go. Not yet, um, Tim. Not yet, um... <laughs> as the polls suggest. Uh, well, there we are. That brings us to the end of uh, Keir Starmer uh, versus Rishi Sunak. But stay tuned. Because on today of all days, we'll of course have some lovely, hot Ian Blackford action next. Uh, we'll do the best of the rest on PMQs after we get the latest news from Carmen Bentley.
8: Across the UK, on DAB, online and on your smart speaker, this is Times Radio.
10: Good afternoon, I'm Rachel Jewell. Nicola Sturgeon says the next Scottish election will be a de facto referendum after the Supreme Court ruled this morning that Scotland cannot hold a referendum without the UK's authority. The First Minister of Scotland says the partnership is not voluntary and that she's disappointed with the results.
4: Unless we give up on democracy, and again, for the avoidance of any doubt, I, for one, am simply not prepared to do that. We must... And we will find another democratic, lawful
10: and constitutional means by which the Scottish people can express their will. In my view, that can only be an election. In the House of Commons, the SNP Westminster leader Ian Blackford said the Prime Minister has every right to oppose independence. He has no right to deny democracy to the people of Scotland. Six people have been shot dead at a Walmart supermarket in the US state of Virginia. The gunman, believed to be the Chesapeake store's manager, also died while several more are injured. Boris Johnson has criticised major European nations for their initial response to Russia's aggression towards Ukraine, accusing Germany of adopting a disastrous stance, he claims, as Russian battalions amassed on the border. Germany thought if there was to be an invasion, the best result was a swift Russian victory. He says France was in denial about the possibility of war, while Italy claimed it couldn't support a tough response due to its reliance on Russian energy. However, Mr Johnson said after altering its initial approach, the EU has done brilliantly. There are yellow warnings for rain in the southwest and northern Ireland. A band of heavy rain will move eastwards accompanied with strong and gusty winds. Toby Gillis has the sports.
6: Supporters of Manchester United are cautiously welcoming news that their controversial owners are prepared to sell the club. The Glazers bought the second most successful club in English football in a leveraged buyout 17 years ago and have been the subject of protest by supporters angry at the way they've run them ever since. It's thought they'd take between six and eight billion pounds. The Times' chief sports correspondent Matt Lawton says there's a reason to make them the most expensive sporting body sold in the history of sport.
3: You could argue that Manchester United is the biggest football brand in the world.
6: They claim to have over a billion fans, and for that reason, they think where we just saw Chelsea go for sort of two and a half billion plus add-ons, they're, they're thinking more in terms of 6 to billion. The reason they're
3: doing that is because they've got this massive global fan base.
6: The row about an anti-discrimination armband that nations playing at the World Cup have been forced to ditch is to go to the senior court in sport. The likes of England and Wales had planned to have their captains wear the armband during matches, but on the eve of the tournament they were told it would result in sporting sanctions. Times Radio's Nick Ellaby reports. The armband had been specifically designed by lawyers to avoid individual punishments for players, but world governing body FIFA has interpreted the sport's rules differently. It forced seven nations to back down from wearing it in support of oppressed communities in Qatar where the World Cup is being held. But the German Football Association have now revealed they're taking FIFA to the court of arbitration for sport over the matter. It's thought a ruling could be made in time for the German captain Manuel Neuer to wear the armband in their second match of the tournament on Sunday, if it goes their way. England are sweating on the results of a scan on their captain and talisman Harry Kane, ahead of their second World Cup match. He's having an ankle knock looked at. Kane's got a history of ankle issues which have kept him out for lengthy periods. England play USA on Friday night. And the Manchester City manager, the most successful in the club's history, has signed a new contract at the club. Pep Guardiola has won 11 trophies in six years in charge of the current Premier League champions. The new contract will keep him there until 2025. You can read more on these stories on the Times website or app. This is Times Radio.
4: Do you know the average amount people lose to online shopping scams? It's £642. At Lloyds Bank, we're determined to tackle fraud together with our customers. To find out about the latest scams that are out there, and for expert advice on the different ways you and your family can stay safe, search Lloyds Bank Fraud Hub. Lloyds Bank, by your side. Statistic Quoted is sourced from the 2021 UK Finance Fraud Report.
2: Today's tape begins when Sarah was scrolling through her feed. Suddenly, Sarah heard the scariest sound. The Wi-Fi is down. Sarah was trapped by the spinning wheel of doom.
8: (laughs) Save yourself from
0: broadband nightmares. Get BT's Unbreakable Hybrid Broadband backed up by EE, the UK's best network. Search BT Hybrid Broadband. 88% UK availability. 4G connection takes up to 175 seconds. Best for mobile network performance. Verify at ee.co.uk forward slash claims.
10: Matt Chorley on Times Radio with Mastercard's Strive UK programme. Empowering small businesses to grow and thrive in the digital economy. Find out more at mastercard.co.uk slash strive.
1: Uh, Very good afternoon, T's Matt Chorley on Times Radio. We're still live on the YouTube channel where you've just been watching Tim Shipman and I scrolling through our Twitters and Tweets. Uh, any any hot gossip for Westminster, Tim?
9: Uh, the the hottest gossip was that uh, one of our viewers pointed out that I had a blonde hair on my shoulder. <laughs> Given that my wife's hair is dark, um, right. I can
1: only assume it was attached to the headphones when I sat down. That's your story and you're sticky to it. Uh, Ian's also been in touch. Listening for the last time to the anti-Tory waffle from Shipman and some presenter on Times Radio. Oh. The anti-Tory waffle Scribes who long for new labour. PMQs should be scrapped. Boring. Oh, I wish
9: you'd get on Twitter and find out what a Tory patsy I am. He's yeah, exactly. Cozying up to
1: number 10. Yeah. Uh, and actually, Ian gets in touch on an almost daily basis. So, uh, thank you for pretending you don't know who I am as well, Ian. Hello, Ian. <laughs> nice to... Thanks for joining us. And also, I mean, we're not single-handedly responsible for the, all of PMQs as well. Uh, anyway. And it's, and it's not us who's longing for a Labour government, Ian. It's the polls. Uh, and that's, uh, I, I do apologise. It'd be interesting if the polls had a Labour government. Yes. You know. If uh, um, I, I'm sorry that we said something that you didn't agree with. I'm sure you can go and find an echo chamber somewhere else. Uh, right, let's go back to the House of Commons now. It's the thing we've all been waiting for. Stand by your beds. It's a big day for Ian Blackford.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the whole House will want to join me in welcoming the moderator of the Church of Scotland to our our proceedings this afternoon and to thank him for his sermon at St Margaret's this morning. Mr Speaker, this morning the Supreme Court clarified a point of law, but the very point of democracy in this union is now at stake, and democracy will not be denied. Because whether Westminster likes it or not... Last year, the people of Scotland voted for a Scottish Parliament with a majority in the mandate to deliver an independence referendum. The Prime Minister has every right to oppose independence. He has no right to deny democracy to the people of Scotland. If the Prime Minister keeps blocking that referendum, will he at least be honest and confirm that the very idea that the United Kingdom is a voluntary union of nations, is now dead and buried. Well
8: Mr Seeker, let me start by saying we respect the clear and definitive ruling of the, on the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom. Well, I would say to the hon. Gentleman that, uh, firstly, I am looking forward to also seeing uh, the moderator of Scotland tomorrow, uh, and I think that the people of Scotland want us to be working on fixing the major challenges that we collectively face, whether that is the economy, supporting the NHS, or indeed supporting Ukraine. Now is the time for politicians to work together, and that is what this Government will do. In Black-
1: Quite a measured response there from uh, from Rishi Sunak. Uh, we should point and out, a mention of the moderator, uh, which is a yes. slight surprise. Um, and we should point out that the SNP claim their 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 majority for independence by lumping in the Greens, uh, because they'd have needed to get an outright majority in the Scottish Parliament. They needed sixty five of the hundred twenty nine seats, and they only got sixty four. So, uh, and if you want to get really technical about this. Uh, the uh, Unionist Party has got a slight majority of votes in constituency contests, while pro-Independence parties are the same in the regional list votes. So it is uh, very, very close, the thing that we're... But blah, blah, arguing. blah
9: at the end of the day. The yeah. bottom line is, if 60%, 65% of the Scottish ele- electorate wanted a referendum, there would be a referendum. And they don't. And the SNP has never been able to get around that. Um, yeah. And, you know... Clarified a point of law. That was a delicious uh, phrasing from, yes, you know, you've been delivered of the humiliating defeat that everyone predicted in in court, but they've clarified a point of law.
1: They've, yeah, they've clarified a point of law and uh, and the arguments will uh, just continue. And In fact, uh, rolling in on exactly this question of, should the SNP be allowed a, uh, another referendum? Uh, uh, a former Prime Minister, which one could it be though? Because uh, there are so many in the House of Commons uh, right now, it's Theresa May popped up.
10: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Scotland is a proud nation with a unique heritage. It is a valued member of our family of nations. A union of people bound through the generations by shared interests. Does my right hon. Friend agree with me that this morning's Supreme Court decision gives the Scottish nationalists, the SNP, the opportunity for once to put the people of Scotland first and, and, and end its obsession with breaking us apart?
8: I think that my, 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 my right honourable friend put it very well, Mr Speaker.
1: And then he sat down knowing that the Speaker's been uh, been ticking him off. Uh, just while we were listening to Theresa May, though, I looked up on the uh, What Scotland Thinks tracker. So this is a polling from October. A uh, proportion of people who think there should be a uh, independence referendum in the next year, 20%. Uh, in the next two years, another 17%. Uh, that's from Conway's, Uh, 22% said never. So, yeah, if only one in five are signed up to Nicola Sturgeon's timetable, that's quite a... It just ain't going to happen.
9: And democratically, it shouldn't happen. Um, And that's a bitter pill for them to swallow. But given that it's the main argument, and some would say the only argument they've been making for a decade or more, um, it, um, it, it, uh, it suggests they perhaps ought to put their attentions elsewhere. But, of course... I'm sure they won't. I mean, interesting that we got Theresa May there weighing in. Um, You know, Theresa May's form of Brexit in the end was defined, you know, people who work for her tell me, primarily by a desire to keep the union together. She put that in the end above uh, the good of the economy and all the rest of it. Um, And, you know, there are people who've said to me, Uh, for the endless book that I'm still writing. Um, (laughs) You know, she effectively threw her premiership away to protect the union. So she, you know, cares about this passionately. Um, As we saw, you know, it's not sort of uh, prime core Sunak, but, you know, when you've got someone
1: banging away like that, all you need to do is say... I agree. You did well. Yeah, very good. Uh, Just finally then, uh, I think that last question we're going to take is the Conservative MP John Penrose. We should point out he was... The Prime Minister's anti-corruption czar. Back in June, he quit that job, claiming it was pretty clear that Boris Johnson had broken the ministerial code. Uh, that was uh, specifically on Partygate, rather than all of the other things. Uh, so, uh, John Penrose popping up. Uh, what's he got to say to the now Prime Minister, Rishi Sunat?
2: Mr Speaker, the
5: Prime Minister has rightly promised to recruit a successor to Lord Guite as his ethics advisor promptly. But would he accept that threats to integrity are often... Broader than the job description of the prime minister's adviser on the ministerial code, and will he therefore commit to introduce the additional measures in the new five-point integrity plan on topics like lobbying and conflicts of interests, developed with organisations like Transparency International and Spotlight on Corruption, to show he will walk the talk and put party integrity and government integrity at the heart?
8: of uh, of our democracy. Well, I uh, I, I thank my honourable friend for his comprehensive and thoughtful suggestions. As he acknowledged, he knows that I've committed to appointing an independent advisor on ministerial interests, and I very much look forward to studying his other proposals in proper time. (laughs) Mm. I think that's what we call a holding answer. It's a
9: holding answer, but it's not get lost, you buffoon. Um, But interesting, yes... um, and I, I know I get criticised for this, but I do like to pick up on little stumbles of, you know, would he like to walk the talk? I mean, that actually sort of makes sense, but normally you walk, walk the walk rather than talk, talk the talk. But um, if you're walking the talk, I suppose you're doing... What doing you're what you said you were. About. Not heard that one before. Actually quite like it. Yeah. Might have been a mistake. Think we should take it
1: up. <laughs> we will. Uh, we we'll start to, uh, the campaign starts here to introduce that into uh, into conversation. Uh, yes. Yeah, so John, uh, John penrose in August publishes five point plan to reset ethical standards in government. Do you think that was a job application as well? Well, he did on the fifth of August, so it's entirely possible that um, everyone was on a holiday, and didn't notice. Also, certainly in, in a in a leadership contest of one sort or another. But it's just another reminder of something else. You know, trouble on. Uh, on the uh, in the Im- in the intro for, for Rishi Sunak, Dominic Raab sitting behind him, he's you know under investigation. We just don't know by who and the plethora what. of other problems
9: loom, we yeah. are
1: told. Lovely stuff. Well, on that cheery note, so I'll let you go off to walk the talk now. Uh, Tim Shipp, uh, Tim Shipp, there, chief political commentator for the Sunday Times. You can read him in the Sunday Times this weekend, of course. Uh, once he's been out and about and found uh, what it is that he's going to write about, uh, in order to read him. Uh, you need to get yourself a digital subscription right now. You can pay a pound for your first six months. One pound a month for your first six months. Just go to thetimes.co.uk. Sign up now and you won't miss a single word to Tim Mites. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. and We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from.